Windshield time again. Sorry, it's been a minute. It's taking me a minute. Oh, put on my seatbelt. I got that. This is real shit, folks. There we go. The struggle's real. Uh, welcome back to windshield time. It's been a minute since I had a chance to sit down and catch up. But then again, if you don't really have anything to talk about, there's no point in just rambling with dumb shit. But we had a ridiculous weekend this weekend. Wife and the family. We decided to get up on Saturday and head up to uh, go head out and hit some estate sales. And uh, it's, it's quite pretty interesting to go to estate sales anymore because you see all this stuff that like older people have been collecting their whole lives that now everything has changed so much that people don't want most of it. Like China, like I even talked to a lady to, uh, this weekend at a estate sale. She's like, yeah, we can't give like China or glassware or stuff like that away. And I'm like, yeah, because none of us want to deal with it. I mean, literally we have like six plates at our house maybe paper plates it, paper plates is what we use like most people uh but i mean it's like no one has an extensive like two or three sets of china and dishware i feel bad because these people have been saving this stuff for years thinking it's actually going to be worth something meanwhile i just walked by and like nope not gonna deal with it so we went to this uh estate sale in gallatin tennessee and there was this guy they were auctioning off his house and we got there on like day three and there was still a ton of stuff there so can't imagine what it was like in day one and day two um so i think I, hoarders is a is an older person's thing i don't think it's i don't think i don't think very many millennials are, are hoarders but i may be wrong on that uh so we get to this guy's house and his last name was maddox i can't remember his first name but he was like the premier ragtime pianist i say was he's still alive he just has alzheimer's in the last couple years he's just diminished in capacity but he has his house that's over like close to 200 years old right off the square in gallatin and he was living in the back like kitchen and bathroom and then a spare bedroom in the back of it and the rest of the house pretty all right size but as we went in and we're walking around and we're walking up the stairs there's some there's a kid on the stairs halfway up is pointing to the stair and he goes look you can see the blood these little spots this is blood and i'm like and me just like smart ass going did you have it tested because i just thought it, it could be paint so therefore he could just be full of shit and i i think daily about this dumb stuff that i thought as a child or i thought was true or so on and so forth so it's not i'm not like this particular kid i just think about myself and how dumb some of the things i believed was but as we start roaming around the house, we run into a couple, uh, an older duder that helped organize all the stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, we hung all these pictures up and organized all this stuff. It was just piled all over the place. But like I assumed, but got to talking to him and he said that this house, it in fact was blood. This house was um, used as a civil war hospital. And that apparently when they built houses back then, there was not a lot of varnishing or uh, you know putting coatings on wood it was just raw wood uh so when they this was a uh, a confederate or this was a, a a civil war hospital they actually uh you know blood had gotten on the floors but they'd sanded it off and then varnished over them but apparently the blood was so permeated into the wood it just keeps showing back up so there was like blood droplets here and there and then in one room there was a probably about a six inch by two foot peat uh blood pool in under that was in in the wood underneath the floor on the floor and the downstairs where they had they had set um i guess they were they had used it for triage or something i don't know 
But it was very interesting in this house because we um, we looked around at all. Because, dude, it just had a ton of stuff. I mean, a ton of stuff. Like pictures and newspaper clippings and just, I mean, stuff that just ran the gamut. And I guess I get it from my mother. I'm really hardcore by, like, old books or old newspapers and stuff like that. Just because, I mean, just the timeless aspect of it. So I looked, picked up, toward the end of the sale, I'd picked up this, uh, I was roaming by myself, and picked up this, uh, it was in a plastic sleeve, it was an autographed picture of a woman to George, George Maddox being this guy, to George with some comments, with love, best wishes, and then signed her name. Then on the back, there was a, um, there was a male actor, I didn't recognize either one of them, there was a male actor that had signed the same thing. He had said, George, best wishes, blah, 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 blah. And I looked at it, carried around for five minutes, and eventually I just set it down. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to buy anything here. So we're walking out with the kids, getting the van, and Leah's like, there was that one. I thought of you, though, when I was walking around, and I saw that somebody had, uh, there was a picture of an autographed woman and a man. I'm like, I, it's funny. I actually carried that around for five minutes. She goes, I figure you'd like that because you may go back in and get it. I'm like, oh, you know, everything was half off. It was priced at 20 bucks. I'm like, whatever. So she went back in and she had found this little bitty uh, sterling silver stamp box. It's probably maybe two and a half inches wide by like an inch and a half uh, wide, two and a half by inch and a half. The little lid on it just had stamps on the top. So we got that in the picture for 10 bucks. So we get back out to the car. We're driving to go feed the kids or whatever. And Leah starts Googling the name of the actor. She finds the actor on the back that had signed it to George, blah, blah, blah. And she finds out that he was an old school actor in the 30s, 40s, 50s, died in 1980 from leukemia. And the picture, he's holding a lit cigarette. So, I mean, let's be honest, most everybody then died of cancer of some sort, the way they were chain smoking those non-filters. So this guy had, um, he had, uh, you know, like I said, was in the original Scarface and like record, filmed in 1934, handful of other movies and stuff. But then we flipped it over to the woman that was on there, and we started, Leah started Googling around for that one while we we're on the way to uh, our next estate seller or whatever. And uh, she starts Googling around this woman, and every picture she comes across this woman, there's a picture There's a picture next to her of a guy that's with her. And we're like, well, were they, were they just like a vaudeville couple that performed together, or what was the deal? And we started digging into it and come to find out this woman was um, was actually a guy that was a very well-known cross-dresser back in the day and performer in vaudeville and L.A. And, uh, of course, like most people of that lifestyle in that era, there was, you know, uh, an arrest in some random-ass place in the country for lewd activities or something like that. But it was quite interesting to see once you start looking at the picture a little harder you're like yeah that it's obvious that's a man but we didn't even think about it and it, it's funny uh it's funny just how like even in 1934 or 1940 people were just like that's just who they are i mean i'm sure more society as more than not statistically we're, we're not saying that but there still was people that supported this person and worked with this person and and, uh, you know, they could live their life about who they wanted to be. All this to come full circle. Uh, just got through finishing like a three-parter uh, um, Radio Lab podcast about sexuality and 
they called it, uh, one of them was titled Gonads, and it was all about male and female, just the, what our chemical makeup of our bodies. And researchers have just found, or they're just determining that there's a gene in every person's body that, so we're, our genetics determines whether we're male or female. But it just doesn't stop there in the fact that not everybody, once you become developed as a physical male or physical female, the genes are still in your body that could develop into a person of the opposite sex physically. So if you were born a male physically, there's still a gene, there's still a genetic makeup in your body that is wanting every day, every second of every day to, to develop you into a female with female uh, female body parts, female traits, female hormones, all that. But there's a gene in our bodies that every day keeps that opposite sex from developing. So it's not as, it was just interesting to me uh, the way this podcast shook out about how they were just saying that this these this part of your genetics is wanting to develop every day to the opposite sex as much as your current sex what your physicality is is developing and in is moving you forward as a male or female but there's a gene in our bodies that its sole purpose and job is to prevent the other sex in our bodies from developing in real time throughout our whole lives which is pretty fascinating just to think it, they still haven't figured out what the mechanism mechanism is that triggers male or female at, at this point. But it was just interesting that they've narrowed it down to the fact that everybody has the genetic makeup at one point in time to be male or female. Uh, and we still carry that in our genetic code going through life, which is pretty fascinating. So all that from the first estate sale. The second estate sale we went to was uh, it's a simple three-bedroom, two-bath house in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and uh, had a lot of really cool stuff, man. They had some really old, cool metal toys, but you don't see those anymore. Kids don't get a chance. My kids ain't even had a tetanus shot that so far in their life. You know what that means? They haven't been playing with any rusty metal shit. That's what that means. I mean, I think I've had like 10 different tetanus shots in my life from different stuff that happened. Maybe I was just a clumsy kid playing with metal sharp stuff, but found a little metal dollhouse for our daughter, and... Um, some other rant. Oh, wooden, the wooden Melissa and Doug train track thing. It's pretty cool. But this guy was a woodworker and had a, a full shop out back of woodworking tools and saws and routers and all that stuff. Just random cuts of wood and stuff. Found some pretty good uh, walnut trim for our stairs for like dirt cheap. Like a normal piece of trim, the cheapest you're going to get is like five to seven dollars per piece. That's for like generic white composite stuff at Home Depot or Lowe's. And this stuff was in very good condition, well taken care of, sanded down, finished um, trim that was walnut that had beautiful grain in it. And it was like leaning up and the lady's like, they didn't have a price on it. I'm like, how much for all this? There's like 30 pieces. She's like, five bucks. I'm like, for all of it? I was expecting five bucks a piece because that's what I think the value actually is. She's like, yeah, for all of it. It's dirty. And I'm like, all right, I'll take dirty for five bucks. So that was cool. And then we went across town to Brentwood, Tennessee, where some lady had, uh, these folks were had another estate sale at their house. And um, 
Just a bunch of junk. Just like a, just literally a bunch of junk nobody wants. Just imagine going through your house and I'm like, all right, man, you need to pull a hundred things out of your house that you can sell this weekend and not give a shit about. That's in essence what this sale was. Had some random furniture and stuff like that, but it was just a house. It, it was one of the, like the, the second house we went to with the couple hit with the dude with the workshop. You could tell it was like a home, you know, they'd lived there, you know, and you know, everything. But the, the last house in Brentwood was not just stereotyping Brentwood because it's a fancy place, but it was just like no, nothing homey about it. It was just like just a house somebody bought. Had a cool pool though. But it's weird that people will go through and they find on like eBay. and It's just like most estate sales. It's just, it's funny because it's usually just my wife and I and our kids and a bunch of old people at estate sales. We we're kind of the outliers of our generation that likes to go look at old stuff. Which makes me wonder, like, what's the what's the timeline of antique shops? How much longer does that have? Is the clock ticking? I think it is, just because it's like nobody wants old shit anymore. That's kind of my ideal. That's my dream is to buy an antique store that's full of shit and then put a bar in the back of it, meanwhile not moving or taking any of the antiques out. So I figured at the rate in which they'll get broken or stolen, it'll save me having to clean them all out anyway. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's really not a lot of fines. I blame that show American Pickers for making people think their shit's more valuable than it really is when it's really not. I mean, think about those guys. They go to somebody's house that has like 10 barns just filled to the brim for shit. For like 50 years, they've been filling it up. And those guys are professional pickers. And I have never seen an episode where they fill that van all the way up. Never. Ever. Only time they ever do is when they get like two big things, like a a clown motor sign or something that that the short guy Frank loves oil shit. It's something like that. He gets an oil can selection or something, but you never see them buy a bunch of stuff. And these people have 1000 times more junk than any antique store has. And it I mean just cuz the antiques is cleaned up and on shelves doesn't mean people actually want it more. But um so that's my rant against antique stores. Uh so after that we went out to our friends Nate and Jessica's uh they got a new little baby, a uh, little baby boy, and uh, debating on whether we wanted to sell our house and move into their neighborhood or out, out toward Nashville West. We haven't really done the best of jobs of cultivating friends uh, where we live now in Lebanon. And we have like a handful of friends, but it's not like your friends you've had for like five or ten years. You know, we have like two or three folks we would consider ourselves pretty close to out our way, but I have like four different sets of friends that are on my short list of people I'd call in the middle of the night if I needed something or my kids did or my wife, you know. It's kind of hard to replace those friends. But like growing up in Arkansas in a small town, like somebody's name starts with the same letter, their last name starts the same letter of yours and you're just friends because of that. But when you get to be older, you're like, eh, he really wasn't that cool. He was just a friend. We were just friends of convenience. And that that's cool. That makes sense. A lot of times, especially in a small town, but and I've gotten older, my I would just say that like if I needed to repopulate the world, literally, if you ran down through my Facebook, if you needed to repopulate the world with like really cool people that could do shit, I have all those people on my Facebook. And I only have one of them, my buddy Wayne is the only one that's really, him and my buddy Andy, the only two that are really kind of antagonistic when it comes to the politics, left, right, whatever. And they're amusing because they're one, they're really good friends. And I know they're not just being complete douchebags when they post stuff. But it's funny because they're both kind of opposite in their mindsets. But I don't I don't think it's too bad. I don't feel bad having like maybe, you know, two to three of those friends on my Facebook. When you get into issues is when you got like 
10 or 15 like on all sides going back and forth and you gotta you gotta you gotta run referee between your friends that are just shitting all over each other from something that they'll that they would never say to each other's faces or, or groups of people that have never met each other when you know fundamentally they're all really good people but kind of distanced myself from that i think about probably 10 times in the last month i've typed out a response to somebody's dumb post or something and i just deleted it all and either unfriended them or something it's like it's like if you always go out with that friend that's always starting fights and bars and stuff after enough times of dealing with their drama and bullshit you're eventually going to be like yeah i probably don't want to hang out with them or yeah i probably wasn't that good of a friend with them to start with so but my friends that live out west nashville never thought myself would be considering moving to bellevue but we thought about it for about two hours then we went and ate pizza and come to find out we had low blood sugar because we hadn't eaten all day long that'll change your perspective on where you want to live so i mean we still might but who knows we're not in any rush this is the first time in my life i've ever actually been up on real estate i've always kicked myself for not buying real estate earlier in nashville and kind of where we're at right now is when we bought our house it's like almost doubled in value it's like going to the casino with thousand dollars and it it's now you have 2500 and you're just like uh it's about time to leave anybody else ready to leave go get something to eat and that's kind of where i'm at with our house and where we're at with the equity in it i guess because it's my insecure um i'm gonna have to go back to the dirt road in arkansas mindset about any day that the market's gonna slow or stop or whatever but they just announced they're building like 5,000 more houses out my way. But, I mean, it's not like those houses and mine will be the same potential customer. Who knows? But went out and checked out Nashville West. Saw a couple really nice houses out there. Well, we just said we wanted to be around the water or something, but who the hell knows? Yeah, that was yesterday, or that was uh, Saturday. Then Sunday we got up, went out to the lake, did like a two-mile walk around the Couchful Lake area and the kids played the playground which is such a weird dynamic like it's it's like a um, it's like a networking meeting with people that you have no expectations of ever talking to again when you are at the playground with your kid because everybody wants to like helicopter enough around their kid where they don't jump off the top level of the jungle gym and bust their face open but, but that requires you to be close enough around other parents or baby's mama or baby daddies, whatever they are. And I have to interact with them, which is weird. Cause it's like even with like your kid's school, I don't want to have to be forced to be friends with people because our kids go to school together. And I definitely don't want to have to make small talk with people around the jungle gym at a state park on a Sunday because our kids are around each other. I mean, there's time of being nice, but I'm not gonna like act like we're gonna start having play dates or something. Uh, so we did that yesterday. That was a good time. Got up today. It was good. Was flipping through the news this morning, they're talking about the fires out in California, which is funny to me. The fires aren't funny. They're devastating. They suck. But what they said about the fires was funny to me. They're like, the fires have covered as much real estate as the state of Rhode Island. Which is funny that they would use that. Because our whole lives, we've been getting told how small Rhode Island is. How small it is. It's the smallest state. This is Rhode Island. It's got to be the smallest. Rhode Island's so small on a map, they can't even write the name Rhode Island on the state of Rhode Island. It's always got to have that little line out beside of it that just says 
RH or Rhode Island. RH is the best they can get on the state. So that just was amusing to me that they use the state of Rhode Island, which coincidentally is 1,200 square miles, a little over, and the city of Nashville is 525 square miles. So roughly twice the size of Nashville is what got burnt for the most part. So yeah, I think twice the size of the city of Nashville would have had more sticking power than the state of Rhode Island or LA, something like that. Three times the size of LA, that would have made more sense. So. Well, that's all I got. It's a beautiful Monday in the turkey week. We're going to be heading up to Indiana this weekend. Should be fun. We'll see how that goes. So, hope everybody has a good turkey week. That's all I got. Another episode of Windshield Time.